Today, you are going to get a front row seat to the behind-the-scenes story of the Springboks' journey at the 2015 Rugby World Cup with assistant coach Ricardo Lopesher. Ricardo, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Now, before we begin our conversation, let's take a look at today's trivia question. J.P. Peterson and Brian Habana were the joint top try scorers for the Springboks at the 2015 Rugby World Cup. How many did they score? Now, if you know the answer to the question, you can put it in the comment section down below, and we'll also find out if Ricardo knows the answer, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. <laughs> Ricardo, let's start at the beginning, just before we departed for that World Cup in England in 2015. How confident were you guys that we could go all the way? Yeah, just, just looking at the, the management team, world-class, we had a good squad, uh, lots of experience, uh, the likes of Victor Matfield. Rude Prie, Dwayne Vermeulen, and uh, Jean de Villiers, and I can go on and on and on. Uh, yeah, from that point of view, uh, the planning was spot on. Uh, obviously, the first six months, uh, as coaches, we do a lot of analysis and uh, just looking at teams. So um, each coach had different teams to look at, to analyze. And then obviously, what we'll do is we'll uh, get together and just share that, that information, but uh, lots of planning and alignment camps just to get all and everybody on the same page yeah and i think the the just the build-up wasn't perfect because we struggled a bit a um, few players uh, at needles so ideally we wanted to play the, the world cup game um sort of a friendly just before the world cup uh, unfortunately because of injuries we couldn't play that uh, but yeah uh, great experience um yeah i think in general it was a it was a lovely experience for myself Describe your particular role on the training ground. Yeah, I was a, I was a backline coach. And um, as a backline coach, if you don't score tries or any team, uh, when you're involved with a, with a team and you're the backline coach, uh, you don't score tries, the first person they ever go at is the backline coach. Uh, yeah, so my job was to basically to look after just the backline, uh, just all the systems, strategies. Um, yeah, that, that's in a nutshell, basically my role. And what was your relationship like with Heineke Meyer? Yeah, no, Heineke Meyer a lot. Um, um, when I started at the Bulls, he was the first guy to give me the opportunity to get involved with coaching. Uh, I obviously played under him, uh, but uh, we had a lovely time. Um, I've learned a lot uh, from a coaching perspective. I've learned a lot from him. And um, yeah, and just to go to the World Cup, um, being part of that management team, part of that squad, uh, unbelievable opportunity. And uh, yeah, I won't, um, I won't look back in terms of any regrets. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Okay, Ricardo, those were a couple of soft questions just to get us into it because you, <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you next. The, the opening game against Japan, what happened? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm still looking for the answers. Um, we had a, sort of the ideal week and, um, and I think Japan just on the day uh, took their chances. We had obviously had chances against them. Um, yeah, no, it, it came down to a last, last try. Um, and you look back at it, you think maybe is, is there anything that you could have done differently? Um, in my book, no. Uh, but I must say the response of the players uh, after the Japan game was just unbelievable. Uh, they took a lot of ownership and accountability. And uh, yeah, we went out to play. We played against Samoa and we just smashed them. So from that point of view, uh, brilliant. But uh, as I said, yeah, Japan game, uh, we're not going to talk a lot about that today, obviously. 
<laughs> I have to ask you, Ricardo, what was what was it like being in the dressing room after that defeat? Yeah, I think the if, if I look back now, when I saw some of the Japan players um, walking into our change room, obviously to just to exchange jerseys, and you look at the size of them, and you think that um, wow, we just got beaten by a team, with, uh, but they obviously played with a lot of guts and uh, a lot of tempo, and a lot of credit to them. Uh, they took the opportunities, we didn't. Um, yeah, and then looking around in the, the change room, you look at the faces of players, management team, and we all just dead quiet. Um, no one said a word. Um, and unfortunately for, for me, I had to do, I was the one doing media the Monday. So myself, Jesse Creel, Pat Lambie, <laughs> we were the unfortunate uh, ones, uh, if I can put it that way. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, we can learn a lot from that. Um, I think on the day, you gotta, you got to show respect. It uh, doesn't matter who you're playing. you got to respect the team you're playing. And I'd be very interested to hear from you, what was Heineke's reaction in the aftermath of that match? Yeah, obviously disappointed. Um, he's normally a guy who's uh, very passionate, uh, very animated, um, very driven. Um, yeah, just to see him afterwards, the body language. Uh, but I must say, uh, the Monday, uh, the initial plan, we had a normal Monday, uh, but he took a lot of... Um, showed a lot of leadership. So the Monday cancelled the whole uh, program, called all the players in the team meeting um, and just asked them to, to stand up, um, come forward uh, and explain exactly what went wrong and how we're going to fix it. So he showed a lot of leadership and that's just the, the quality of the man and um, yeah, a massive, massive opportunity to turn things around and he was, in his mind, it was all about being part of the solution and um, yeah, we turned I woke up basically, we turned our woke up around that Monday morning, um, I think it was nine o'clock, uh, but it was a very emotional day, very emotional day. As you mentioned, we bounced back beautifully, first up against Samo with that big win, 46-6 I think was the, the final score. Uh, you've already described how the players took ownership of the tournament at that moment. Just talk to me a little bit about the focus that you noticed from the players on the training ground that week. Yeah, I think uh, Dwayne from Maryland wasn't part of that um, and he joined us that week and as every player came forward and just to explain what happened and he got up and he said, listen boys, um, uh, obviously I wasn't part of that and and he, I can't repeat what he said but uh, it, was, it wasn't a lot but um, straight talking to the point and uh, I think that basically summed it up for me, just the mindset how to approach the, the next few days, the Samoan game. And as I said, we came out and just physically dominated them. And I think there was a brilliant response from the, from the players. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll-free helpline 0800-006-008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Beating Samoa and then after that we uh, defeated Scotland. Would you say that there was uh, a fair bit of relief in the camp at that moment? Uh, 100%. I think the, after the Samoan game, uh, you, the feeling was almost all right. We, we uh, got this thing back on track and then you get to the Scotland game and uh, it's in Glasgow. It's, a, it's always a tight game, um, a close game against Scotland and uh, 
it wasn't a, any different sort of game against them on a day. And um, yeah, once we got past Scotland, we had USA, America. And um, yeah, after that game, you feel, okay, shit. Now we can all take a break and get ready for the quarters. But um, tough, tough pool. Um, and I think after, especially when you get, uh, say, your top quality teams and you're facing them and you have to get past those teams to get to the, to the playoffs. I want to talk a little bit about the United States of America, Ricardo. From a coaching point of view, how difficult can it be to prepare for an opponent when you're expected to win by quite a large margin? There's always the, the expectation, and, and it's probably nine out of ten times is within the, the group, within the camp, that you, you want to go out and um, make people uh, smile, and you want to make our nation proud. And I think that for us, it was always about being the best team in the world. That was our aim. Um, and I think sometimes when you get when you play, get to play those teams, and it's a matter of is it 50, uh, 15, uh, that kind of score. And uh, but then it's about looking at your structures, look at your performance uh, more so than than the score. So I think getting getting past USA was a sort of a, a brilliant uh, game for us uh, in terms of the score. But then the following game against Wales was really a tough one, um, a close, close, close game. Ricardo, we often hear stories about the players enjoying the sights and the sounds of the country that's hosting the World Cup or away from home on a tour. Do the coaches get to see the sights and sounds as well? Um, I think on a, so. we used to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on a Thursday because the, your, your day and your week is so intense. Um, so on a Thursday, it's normally the off day, so you just want to get away. And um, it's whether you're going out with someone or just go to... Uh, sometimes it's just going to uh, find a bookshop where you can just sit down and just get away from that intensity because it's getting quite intense. Um, yeah, and then obviously after the off day, uh, we're all looking forward to get back to the Friday, which is normally your, your captain's run. Uh, but it's it's very intense. Uh, but I must say, um, I, I wouldn't swap it for anything uh, from a coaching point of view. Tell me a bit about England. How much did you actually enjoy the country while you were there for the World Cup? The, the biggest thing for me was probably to see if I can find a, a fish and chips um, sort of spot where you can sit down and eat. Um, and yeah, normally you it's either a glass of wine or, or beer you're having with that. Uh, but it's always nice to uh, just to get away from rugby. And then normally the off day is that sort of opportunity. Um, Brighton, um, just we walked about, get to see the beach a bit. So uh, yeah, lovely experience. And then obviously the people... It was obviously lovely to experience them as well. Then the quarterfinal against Wales was actually quite a tight affair. What was the feeling at halftime? Obviously doing your analysis and um, over the four years playing against Wales, uh, we knew it's going to be a very tough game. For some reason, um, it's always tight and it's, it's maybe down to the, the similar styles. They're a very physical team. Um, they kick a lot uh, with their rush defence. It was always tough to, to, to beat them. Uh, I think after the chat was around, uh, just uh, stay composed, uh, wait for the chance. And um, lucky enough, we had that opportunity where Dwayne Vermeulen just uh, with Faria Priya uh, broke to the blind, uh, to the blind side, uh, offloaded to Faria, and Faria he scored in the left-hand corner. Um, so that that was a game changer for us. But um, up to that point, it was really tight, uh, tight game, so to speak. And as you mentioned there, Fareed Dupree scored a memorable try, capping off quite an innovative move. How many hours go into practicing something like that on the training ground? When you do your analysis, so what we found is that 
the way they defend their setup from it, uh, it was a left-hand scrum. So the way they defend with the wing, he was sitting right in behind the scrum. So we knew if we can um, just sort of animate the open side and just shape them to almost make them think we're going to go to the open side and just uh, go to the left side, the short side. Um, yeah, so that was a perfect opportunity right in that left-hand corner. Uh, for, um, Dwayne picked it up, uh, offloaded to Fouri, and it was just for him to finish in that left corner. Uh, yeah, what a, what a moment for us. Uh, and it was a game-changer in terms of our World Cup. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Let's get back to the interview. So how confident were you guys ahead of the All Blacks match in the semi-finals? Very confident. Um, if you look at the game, so we, we, we did our analysis and we realized that uh, um, a key focus for us is, was a breakdown because they they teams that they love to play this uh, fluid rugby uh, quick ball and uh, we realized that if we can slow down a ball uh, Francholo was unbelievable in that game just slowing down the ball uh, forcing turnovers um, second half was a little bit tough for us um, when the rain came down uh, they kicking uh, in behind us turn, turn us around all the time so it was really tough to, to get out of a half and uh, yeah, and I think uh, we look at uh, individual performances. Dan Carter was just unbelievable in that game. The final score was 2018 to New Zealand, as we now know. Very tight match. The reality, though, is that they did outscore us by two tries to zero. Now, I'm keen to hear from you. Does that make it easier to accept or does that just add to the frustration? It's more frustration than anything else. Um, because we had a penalty and it was sort of in Pat Lambie's range. And just for that penalty to to be turned around, and uh, I don't know what happened, but there was some something happened before that penalty. So the ref decided uh, they're gonna with the TMO they're gonna change their decision around. And yeah, we knew when the we, the plan was always to make sure before the rain came down that we want to be ahead. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, it didn't happen. Um, they were just brilliant on the day. Um, scored uh, beautiful tries. Um, we kicked a lot of penalties. And uh, yeah, it was sort of a tough, tough game uh, to play catch up with the rain, weather conditions uh, in that moment. Ricardo, I've heard that in 1999, Nick Mallet gave the team off ahead of the third place playoff. But then France shocked the All Blacks in that semi-final. And then Nick changed his tune and said, no, 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 boys, listen, <laughs> we have to prepare for this one. What was Heineke Mayer's approach to the third place playoff against Argentina? In hindsight, now we... we the plan was always to you want to go out on a high. Um, so there was a lot of respect play against um, Argentina. And I think it was a big thing for us. Obviously disappointed not making the the semis. Um, but yeah, um, same preparation. Um, you make sure that you, you, you prepare well. Your planning is spot on. Your analysis is spot on. So yeah, we, we, it was a normal week for us. Uh, nothing different from any other week. Ricardo, some coaches are known for being almost like a father figure to the players. Was there a player in the squad in 2015 at the World Cup that you were particularly close with? I can't single out anyone. Um, I, I went through the squad and you look at the names, Brian Abena, John de Villiers, um, and Jason Creel, um, Andre Porat. But um, I, I would put it this way, my relationship with the players, uh, yeah, I, I, there was a lot of respect, mutual respect. Um, the big thing, and, and before I got, got involved with the box, and I, I had opportunity to 
we just to spend a bit of time with Ian McIntosh. Um, and he advised me, he said, listen, um, he used to call anyone if he meets you. He said, listen, uh, master, that's normally the way for him to address you. He said, master, if you, can, I, can I give you advice? Uh, the one thing, you, once you get involved with the players, is make sure you respect them. So I think from that point of view, I took it on board. Um, I would I would describe my relationship with the players as uh, mutual respect and as all about serving them and make sure you give them the best opportunity to perform. Ricardo, I've heard stories about the players giving assistant coaches sleeping tablets and that sort of stuff uh, in years <laughs> gone by. Did any of them play a prank on you? No, no, not really. Not really. Uh, but I know some players... Uh, um, Willem Alvarez is a, he's quite a character, um, and it, it wasn't at a World Cup, but uh, we had a Kontiki, and I think it was after the New Zealand game, and I think we lost, and Willem um, just came into the Kontiki dress as a, as a traffic cop, um, the whole uniform, almost like the Leon Schuster movie, where yeah, he was dressed up like that, and I thought uh, um, just the, the look, um, and obviously the performance going with that, it was unbelievable, that was really funny. <laughs> and when you look back at that World Cup in 2050 now, we finished third, we got a bronze medal. Would you say that it was a pleasing performance or do you feel like we were just that little bit off and maybe we could have gone all the, all the way? Our goal was always to make sure we get to, we, get, well, we wanted to get to the playoffs and uh, to play in a final was, or not to play in a final was really disappointing. Uh, because you look at the players, um, Probably, if I got it right now, and, and I'm speaking under correction, probably 20 players that, uh, that was part of that World Cup uh, went on and play, uh, played in the next World Cup. So, um, in hindsight now, Heineke just brilliant with his selection in terms of picking the right guys. Um, yeah, lots lots of frustration, lots of disappointment not to be part of that final. And then, obviously, um, we didn't watch the final, but uh, when we had the score, that was even more so uh, disappointing. Um, I'm talking about New Zealand versus Australia. I can just imagine. Tell me, Ricardo, when you lose to the team that actually goes on and wins the whole thing, does that make it any easier to accept? If you look at our semi against New Zealand, um, uh, you, you go through the list uh, of players. I'm talking about their team now. Uh, some of those players were in the, the best in their positions in the world. And um, when you lose against a quality team like that, there's a lot of respect and you give them a lot of credit. Um, but then if you go to the final and you look at that performance, uh, taking, uh, taking nothing away from uh, Australia, but we thought um, the way we played in that semi-final, that there was, uh, we, had a, we had a chance against them and we believed that uh, deep down. And maybe to a certain extent, there was an element of revenge four years later, because even though we lost to them in the pool stage, we would go on and, uh, and win that World Cup. Ricardo, we're going to finish off by looking again at the trivia question. J.P. Peterson and Brian Habana were the joint top try scorers for the Springboks at the 2015 Rugby World Cup. How many did they score? Now, Ricardo, I suppose you do know the answer, but I suppose the real question is, do you remember what the correct answer is? Yeah, that's it. You put me on the spot now. Oh, it's, uh, how many years? How many years now ago? Um, sure, I'm going to take a guess now. Um, you're not talking about uh, in total, you just say... Specifically at the 2015 World Cup. Um, sure, I can't remember now. <laughs> I'm 
Maybe you must help me out. Then. Okay, I'll give you the correct answer. It is in fact five. They both scored five tries at that tournament. Um, okay, okay. Ricardo, let me say, it was lovely having you on Front Row Rugby today. An absolute pleasure, especially to go back down memory lane and uh, relive uh, a memorable Rugby World Cup, even though South Africa was unable to win it in the end. But again, lovely to have had you on the show, and I hope that we can have you on again in the future. Yeah, Peter, thanks to you, and thanks for having me, and uh, yeah, brilliant job. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the next chat. Thanks for having me.